water, water everywhere, or not at all. How can we manage this precious resource more effectively? It's vital that the environment agency, that ourselves, that the water companies all work together in an integrated way. We'll hear from the NFU shortly on their recently released paper and why does the pig sector have so many problems at the moment? We've got feed prices up, pigs being kept on farms for longer, which obviously means that they're having to be fed increasingly expensive food. When they do actually get to go to slaughter, they're overweight, so they get penalised on that too. Dr Zoe Davis, CEO of the National Pig Association, is here a little later. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Steve Orchard. Hello. Spring's not that far away, but it doesn't feel like it with snow forecast for this week. We'll have a look at the week's weather later and get an update on the beet campaign, plus agronomy and the latest from the markets. I'm Steve Orchard. Morning. Let's start with a couple of items from this week's farming news. And after my comments last week, I didn't think it would be long before we were talking again about cancelled farming shows. And sure enough, Lama have announced that having moved from January to May, they're now cancelling this year show. Next year's is planned for the 11th and 12th of January at the NEC. If you're a producer and you have dealings with supermarkets, you have until the 21st of February to tell the Groceries Code adjudicator about any code issues you are facing and whether you feel you're being treated lawfully and fairly. It's a confidential annual survey from YouGov and you can have your say on the website bit.ly slash 2n8nw1b. I'll give you that again, bit.ly slash 2n8nw1b. Oh, and don't forget the AHDB ballot closes on Wednesday the 10th. To water, too much, not enough, and then too much again. We can't change what the weather does to us, but can we manage this essential resource more effectively? The NFU released a document on the subject a few days ago. Important to have a read of this for yourself, and they would like your thoughts and input to the discussion. Let's get the thoughts first of NFU Deputy President Stuart Roberts. Stuart, morning. Thanks for joining us again on the the programme. You've launched your integrated water management report in the last few days. Just briefly tell us what you mean by integrated water management. Well, thank you, um, Steve, and it's great to be talking to you again. The key word is integrated. So I've spoken on your show over, over a long period of time about droughts, and I've spoken on your show about floods. Um, but what we don't spend enough time thinking about is how we uh, how we can deal with both of those in the long term, how we can work together, how we can store water when we need to, how we can uh, move water when we need to. Because one of the things we do have uh, in this country, uh, we do have plenty of fresh water. I don't need to tell people that. But at other times, we don't have enough water. And one of the big challenges going forward for our food system will be where we get fresh water from and it's vital that the environment agency that ourselves that the water companies all work together in an integrated way to catch water when we can to as i say move it uh, to where we need it uh, and to get rid of it when we don't need it it's hard enough to predict this week's weather never mind looking years ahead so what kind of things can we do to prevent something happening in five years time you're absolutely right about about weather forecasts and, and it's very variable about uh, 18 months ago now i was meeting with a group of farmers in norfolk and they were desperately short of water um, their total water use for the entire year was 13 million cubic meters 
24 hours later, I was up in Waynefleet, and the North Witham uh, IDB at that time, over a period of two weeks, pumped 19 million cubic meters of water into the North Sea. The 53 mile uh, distance between those two. And if we can come up with systems that can catch water when we've got it, move water to where we need it, then actually we've got a huge opportunity. But surely it is going to be expensive, Stuart, isn't it? I mean, if you're in an area where you don't have a river nearby, but somebody else 50 miles away has got a surplus of water, you can have to produce, you can have to get a pipeline somehow, surely. I mean, it's not going to be a cheap thing, is it? Look. Some of it does uh, need investment, and I accept that. But some of it actually gives a massive rate of return. I look at uh, investment in flood defence. For every £1 spent, you get an £8 return. But a lot of it, the infrastructure is there, Steve. We've not used it for this purpose. And I come back to canals. Okay, Canals were put there by uh, our forefathers for, for transportation, okay? There's no reason why we can't use those to move water and use them. It's just about thinking creatively and and using what we have got, but in a different way. But I also accept uh, we will need to see some investment that needs to come from from both government, but also uh, from farmers ourselves. We need to invest in on farm storage, but also how do we work with water companies and how do we work with others? And I think by some innovative thinking, by some innovative financing, I think there is a massive opportunity here for British agriculture. We're looking for input from farmers. We're looking for input from others. This is not about us telling other people what to do. It's about us saying there's stuff we can do on farm. There's lots we can do in terms of our resilience. But it's also about how we work with others. So I would encourage anyone out there who has an interest in this area uh, to get on our website, see the report. And the report is really about kicking off. Uh, a discussion and a debate and we'd love to engage with anyone on that and that's available as i say nfuonline.com um, Stuart, thanks once again for joining us on the program this morning always a pleasure steve one crop that's been badly affected by the rain is sugar let's see where we are on the current campaign from tessa seymour from british sugar we'll start with the weather tessa it's not exactly been kind to you and your suppliers has it no the wet weather um has definitely given us some, some challenges Thankfully, uh, the flooding hasn't affected the factory and we've remained fully operational during the period, but we have slowed down the factory's throughput to match our beet supply. Currently, we've got an estimated campaign end date of the end of Feb, but this is subject to change. Uh, We're continuously reviewing the impact the wet weather is having on the harvesting capability. Because that end of February, that's a little early, isn't it, compared to normal? Well, I think last year it went on forever, didn't it, because of the weather. Mm. So we're <laughs> hoping we don't go on forever again. But, yeah, we're reviewing. As I said, so I'm working uh, really closely with the team. We meet on a daily basis uh, and we'll we'll have a chat about what beet is at risk, uh, what growers and harvesters and hauliers have fed back to us. And uh, we'll take account of any of that and then we'll just kind of manage the factor accordingly and we'll just extend the end date to accommodate. The throughput has slowed down because of obviously less beet coming in because yields have been slower. So we've had to accommodate for that and now we're accommodating for wet weather. To date, we've got about 1.15 million tonnes of beet that's come into the factory and we've estimated about 200,000 tonnes of beet still in the ground. What about sugar content? 
So sugar content, um, disappointingly, we saw it drop a bit over Christmas, which is usual. It then normally tends to pick up again. But I think with the impact of virus yellows, we've seen quite a few kind of green shoots, green leaves picking up, which obviously is drawing some of the sugar content out. Uh, coupled with wet weather, uh, we're not seeing the sugar content increase the way we'd have liked to. So we're, we're hoping we'll get an average at the end of campaign of about 16 points. 316.4, uh, but at the moment it's flickering around the low 16 levels. Uh, and just a bit of reassurance, we have got um, the 12 million virus yellow assurance fund uh, in place, and that will still be in place regardless of whether we treat the season near next or not. Um, and that is in place for the next three years. Uh, and then obviously on top of that, we're working with BBRO um, and NFR and just on a range of other ways to tackle virus yellows for the long term. So that uh, includes integrated pest management, improving natural resistance in the crop, and non-chemical approaches such as beneficial insects and cover crops. So keep, you know, keep speaking to your contract manager, keep speaking to the BBRO. There are updates and work that's going on ahead. Tessa Seymour from British Sugar, many thanks once again for joining us on the Farming Programme. Thank you so much. Take care. Good morning now to our crop doctor, Sean Sparling. Another interesting and challenging weather week on the farm, eh, Sean? Yeah, it's a very good morning to you, Steve. Yeah, it's been a complicated week, and suffice to say my agronomy bit is going to be short and sweet. Um, Monday and Tuesday, the 1st and 2nd of February, I took just over 26 millimetres of rain. Tuesday morning when I got up, we had about an inch of laying snow, and it was an absolute blizzard at Market Raisin when I left to head out over to Stickford. And going across the wolds, it was absolutely treacherous. A couple of inches at least of laying snow, absolute blizzard, pea soup fog, just tracks on the road like Torville and Dean it was driving up there with a four inch pile of frozen slush between the wheels so not very pleasant by the time I got out to Stickford no snow and I managed to walk all the crops quite happily then I battled my way back up the case to High Street um, came over the top of the walls again a couple of inches of laying snow in all the fields up there the roads like glass by the time I got out to Ryby and Grimsby there was no snow and I walked all that lot and then I nipped back across um, up the Ryby drag and going across case to top the roads were like glass again pea soup fog two or three inches of laying snow on all the fields up there but by the time I got out to Gainsborough very little snow and I managed to walk all that lot quite happily so it's very localised um, some people got more than others but I think irrespective of that most people have had either what I got slightly more slightly less it's pretty irrelevant because it's just topped up what was already out in these fields and uh, a lot of these fields are sitting waterlogged because the, the water level in the ditches is higher than the level of the land drain outfall so this water's really going nowhere and for every day that we get like Monday last week where I saw a little bit of combi drilling of spring barley going in on the heath um, into land after sugar beet or after potatoes but that was pretty much the exception rather than the rule but for every one of those days we get some nice sunlight it's up to eight degrees it feels milder it feels a little bit more like spring and you get this phenomena where the chlorophyll in the wheat and the barley start to fluoresce and it looks green, it looks like it's growing. But if you look at the soil temperatures, we're struggling to be above two degrees. I think the warmest I found on Thursday on some sand over gravel was 2.5 degrees at three inches and these crops won't put any active growth on until those soil temperatures get nicely above four degrees so 
to see the other thing which I saw on Tuesday, which took me by surprise a little bit, and I think it was absolutely crackers, was a trailer load of nitrogen and sulfur fertiliser in a gateway and somebody top dressing a field of what I think was all seed rape. I say what I think was rape because it was actually sitting under mostly a, a blanket of three quarters of an inch or so of snow with then the odd bit of green sticking out. And what wasn't covered in snow was standing in water. So that's an absolute waste of time, effort and money to put things like nitrate and sulfate expensive things you look at the difference in the cost of nitrogen this year to where it was this time last year you're getting on to a hundred pounds a ton more expensive it has to go on when the crop's capable of using it and when you've got soil temperatures where they are waterlogged fields things like nitrate and sulfate which will leach through a waterlogged profile just going past the roots of the crop with a faint whooshing noise as it heads off as fast as it can to the nearest watercourse so for me i think you keep your powder dry you stay out of the fields leave the fertilizer in the shed there'll be plenty of time for that over the next few weeks and bear in mind that we can get a lot of winter yet you know we've had pretty much winter in february and march for the last few years and for every day you get like thursday where it's warm and mild and sunny you get days like where we're back to today at this time of year with snow struggling to get above two degrees and frost again by night so bide your time keep that powder dry keep that fertilizer in the shed for now um the only other agronomic thing really is if you've still got carbetamide to put on all seed rate you've got until the end of february if you miss the boat with your propizamide um the cutoff was the 31st of january and you're too late for that so the only other thing i really want to just talk briefly about is the sugar beet job i'm getting a lot of questions um because we heard this week we're unlikely to get the neonicotinoid dress seed um if we're going to use that before the end of the third week of march so it's going to be the last week of march by the time we get that and remember we've got this derogation in place but not in practice just yet for the use of neonicotinoid dress seed a lower dose of cruiser on the seed should the season say that the risk of virus is still high now this is where it gets slightly complicated there's two things there's a slightly less complicated bit if you're one of those farmers that likes to drill sugar beet in the beginning of march it is obvious that can that decision's been taken out of your hands you're going to have to have seed that hasn't got the neonic dressing on it if you want to drill at the end the beginning of march because you're not going to get it before the end of march so if you do that understand that it is a risk at the moment it's a high risk based upon what we saw last year at the moment we haven't had enough frost to negate the risk of virus in the crop so do everything you possibly can to minimize that risk so for example last year a cover crop of barley with the sugar beet drilled into it seemed to disrupt those early aphids the, some people are saying as they the aphids flew over the crop they could see the little green dots of the the barley cover crop headed down to it, it, it and it disrupted their whole life cycle i don't know i don't think anybody knows why that worked but it did work and there was less virus where the cover crop was so perhaps give that some thought that you might need to do that but bear in mind this if you put all your eggs in the neonicotinoid basket then you're not going to get it till the end of march if they decide that the weather's been all wrong and the risk is too low that neonic seed isn't required this year and bear in mind that is one of the conditions of the derogation that has to be met that there has to be a significant risk then you're going to be in a position where you can't have neonicotinoid seed and if you've ordered all neonic you're going to have to wait a little bit longer for your actual seed and also if they make that decision take that as a positive because it means we've had enough weather 
to turn the 2021 season into the season we saw in 2019. Remember, that was the first year that we had no neonicotinoid seed dressing. We had a winter very, very similar to the one we're going through now, and we didn't see the problems with virus in the growing crops. So there's a thing called the serenity prayer. Lord, grant me the serenity to accept that which I cannot change, the knowledge to change that which I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. If these people make that decision, take it for what it is, we move on, and there's nothing we can do about it. No point worrying if there's nothing we can do about it. So quite a complicated couple of weeks to come. Let's see what the next seven days bring. Sean Sparling, Sparling Agronomy Services, thank you. If you want to speak to Sean, you can contact him through his website, sasagronomy.co.uk. And Sean's back same time next Sunday. The pig sector seems to be having more problems than most right now. Dr Zoe Davis is the CEO of the National Pig Association. Zoe, why are we where we are? Starting with prices. Yeah, so unfortunately, um, the pig price has been dropping uh, quite significantly um, for several months now, um, largely as a result of impacts with respect to coronavirus um, uh, and also pig prices in Europe, which uh, will clearly impact on ours, considering we import about 60% of the pork that's eaten in the UK. Um, And the problem is that at the same time, feed price and straw price has been going up quite dramatically over the roughly the same period. So one of the problems that we've got is that we've got a lot of pigs that are still being kept on farms because several of the abattoirs were affected by coronavirus and either stopped completely killing animals or had significantly reduced throughput. So from about October last year, Um, They started rolling pigs, which basically means not taking the number of pigs that they're supposed to take on a weekly basis and either not taking them at all or not taking as many as they should. So we've got an increasing population of large, overweight pigs on farms that can't go to slaughter when they need to go. So when they eventually do go, they're being significantly penalised because they're overweight and out of specification. And of course, that then feeds into the pig price, which most of the contracts are set on. So it's self-feeding. So it brings down the pig price even quicker. And how's the export side of things? Has that been affected by Brexit? Yeah, unfortunately, we have an issue with carcass balance. So the public will uh, largely be wanting to eat loin and leg in the UK, particularly bacon and for hams and roasting joints, etc. So we have a an undersupply of that, so we need to import bacon and loin meat, but we have an oversupply of the rest of the pig, which effectively is the shoulder and the belly. So that needs to go, and our biggest trading partner for that is Europe. We've had significant issues with processors reporting um, not only a level of increase in the sort of paperwork that they need to fill out, which is quite complicated. So there's been issues with incorrect paperwork um, and loads being either refused or not ab- able to go. Now, without getting political, is is this a deliberate thing? Is it bureaucracy gone mad or is it just teething problems? Um, partly teething problems, but uh, there are issues that could have been resolved quickly that haven't. So the Commission really isn't wanting to make this look like an easy transition. And why would they? Because they don't want to encourage other countries to follow suit. So they are not minded, and to be honest, I I can understand why, to resolve these issues that quickly. 
Yes, yeah, somebody described it to me as like the perfect storm. We've got so many things all combining and contriving against us at the moment, haven't we? And that's the problem. You know, we've got feed prices up, pigs being kept on farms for longer, which obviously means that they're having to be fed increasingly expensive food. When they do actually get to go to slaughter, they're overweight, so they get penalised on that too. Um, and we've got an increasing amount of very cheap European pork coming into the country being sold through retail. And demand for pork through retail is really strong right now. So you know, we ha- there's an opportunity here, and this is why we've written to Minister Eustace to ask for an industry roundtable to look at what those solutions might be um, to help us reduce the backlog of pigs on farms, get those weights down and get prices onto a much more sensible footing. That's Dr Zoe Davis, Chief Exec of the National Pig Association. Since I spoke to Zoe, the government has announced that roundtable talks with the NPA will take place on Tuesday this week, chaired by DEFRA's Farming Minister Victoria Prentice. We'll report back on next week's programme. So how have the markets fared this week? Here's Openfield's Kit Dickinson. Morning, Kit. Good morning, Steve. Markets have gravitated lower again, having rallied last week on the report of a 6 million metric tonne of Chinese maize purchases, along with reports of a further 2 million, which have not yet been confirmed. One explanation for the downturn in prices is the lack of clarification on Russian export taxes, which appears to have taken another twist. It is still not clear how the floating tax will work and the committee has been put together by the Moscow Exchange to iron this out. It is little wonder, therefore, that Russian farmers, who so far have refused to bow to Kremlin's pressure to sell their old crop wheat, are now more likely to do so due to a potentially large tax on new crop prices, which are already trading at a large inverse. However, as 40% of the Russian wheat area is spring-sown, there is talk of Russian farmers looking for an alternative to reduce the tax. Once again, political interference may have unintended consequences. EU wheat dominated this week's Egyptian tender, selling five of the seven cargoes that traded for March shipment, and demonstrates the EU's current price competitiveness, which conflicts with the sharp decline seen on the Matif wheat futures this week. This is business which the EU does not need following another week of poultry maize imports, and it should be noted that maize is now a $20 premium to wheat, which should favour more wheat feeding. The USDA report next week should see revisions which will further tighten the global maize supply and demand, namely increase the US wheat exports, higher the Chinese imports and lower the South American production. So looking at malting barley this week, another quiet week on the trade, with front movement slow and steady. Values are unchanged, even with the slight weakening seen in the feed market. Ongoing lockdown restrictions have seen brewers slow production and, in turn, malt offtake has been reduced, leading to bottlenecks with maltsters trying to find space for product, which has slow production and barley intake. Consumer usage numbers released on Thursday reflect the impact of lockdown so far. This campaign has made the barley usage 15% lower than this time last year. New crop markets have also seen a little more trade interest this week. However, there is still remains significant uncertainty to new crop demand until the UK's COVID exit plan is actually announced. Oilseed rate, week on week, the market has seen little change. Matif futures markets have moved into focus and May contracts for February have dropped off the board. Comparing price movements sees a modest €2 euro gain. However, with sterling slightly firmer, UK domestic consumers have left the buying ideas largely unchanged. Close to home, revised estimates for imports reflect an increase of 14% or 800,000 tonnes. This is the requirement for the EU and UK given the current crush usage, with Australia probably being the likely supplier. 
In other reports, the USDA World Supply and Demand report due out on Tuesday the 9th will be keenly followed by the US soybean ending stocks. And this will give us the current indication of export sales and the potential for further stock reductions. Looking forward to prices this week. Feed wheat for February is 200 to 202. For March, 201 to 203. May, 203 to 205. And November new crop, 160 to 162. Milling wheat premiums are currently 18 to 20 pounds. Oilseed rate for February, 375 to 378. March, 377 to 379. May, 378 to 380. November new crop, 348 to 350 pounds. Feed barley 155 to 157 for February, March 160 to 162, May 161 to 163, November 140 to 142. Malting barley premiums are unchanged this week at £10 for a 185 nitrogen and 20 for a 165 nitrogen. Thank you very much. Thanks as ever, Kit Dickinson from Openfield. The Farming Programme, five day forecast. Another week of hats, wellies and several layers this week, starting with potentially several centimetres today and tomorrow. Windy too, with gusts from the northeast up to the mid-30s MPH and temperatures hovering around freezing point today. And they're all below for most of the week. Uh, Monday will be less windy, still from the northeast, but easing down to the mid-teens, staying around freezing with rain for most of the day. Tuesday and Wednesday staying cold but with lighter rain, possibly some snow and light easterly breezes picking up again on Thursday. Easterly again but veering to southwesterly. It warms up but stays wet with more snow forecast for the end of the week. On a more positive note, congratulations to Gainsborough farmer Charles Anion, who you may remember ran his marathon in aid of the Farming Community Network and the many people who took part in Run 1000, which concluded last Sunday. Between them, they've raised nearly £45,000 for farming charities across the UK and the FCN will benefit to the tune of £18,201. Brilliant. Well done all. Next week, we'll complete my first year at the helm of the farming programme, what a year it's been and where's the time gone let's have a happy anniversary sunday and celebrate together the best of british farming i would love you to email or tweet me one line with what's good on the farm a positive one-liner about something good that's happening right now or has happened during the last year email farming at linksfm.co.uk or tweet at farming show and i'll give it a mention next sunday don't forget now Until then, as ever, stay safe, stay positive and have a good farming week.